Now, very good evening. It's a great pleasure, a privilege to be back here in Stark Road, and uh, we look forward to renewing uh, happy fellowship with the Lord's people. Uh, now, I understand it is customary um, on the eve of conference like this to open the scriptures and uh, <clears throat> maybe to seek to exhort, to challenge, to encourage the saints uh, to approach the conference, to approach the ministry with the right attitude and with an open heart. That's all good. It's all very, very necessary. But actually, my burden tonight is to open the scriptures and seek to explain and to solicit your prayers for the men who will be speaking. I want to show you something of what's going on in our minds and hearts. Now, you might think that's presumptuous because I haven't spoken to the other brethren who will be speaking. But it's not presumptuous, it's confidence. It's confidence through knowing them and knowing of them that they, with me, are sharing the same thoughts and have the same desires. So, with that, we want to read, please, in the book of Deuteronomy and in chapter 32. Deuteronomy in chapter 32. This is the chapter of the Song of Moses with which his great life and service concluded. There was a song in chapter 15 of Exodus and uh, um, a song here as well, songs at the beginning, songs at the end. But as this Song of Moses uh, is laid out for us, we read in verse 1 of chapter 32 of Deuteronomy, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. And these are the two verses particularly on my mind. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. My speech shall distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb, and as the showers upon the grass, because I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. And we trust that God will graciously bless his word. The Great truth about the first part of verse 2. My doctrine shall drop as the rain. And as I was thinking about it, the uh, benefits of rain, of course, are absolutely well known. But rain can be very destructive as well. It depends on how much of it comes at a time. And it depends on how hard it falls. Rain can be very, very destructive. And as Moses was writing these words, he didn't have the same meaning as I'm putting on them tonight. You'll forgive me for that. But as I thought of this, my doctrine shall drop as the rain. And the first thing I'm sure that I and my dear brethren will be concerned about is that we handle the word of God correctly. 
Because not only has the doctrine got to be right, but the delivery has got to be right. As much as rain can bless, rain can ruin. And um, we know the word of God is true and pure and wholesome. There's nothing wrong with it. But the way it's handled is very, very important. The same scriptures that can be used to encourage and to comfort uh, can, if harshly used, send saints away in tears. So we want the doctrine to be as rain. Rain that refreshes. Rain that causes growth. Rain that is beneficial. And it is evident from the verse, at least in my meditation upon it, that uh, having stated that the doctrine shall drop as the rain, the rest of the verse is to do with the kind of rain that it will be. What will it be like? Well, the first thing is that the verse says is that my speech shall distill as the dew. The doctrine has to be right. Of course it does. But that my speech might distill as the dew. That thought of distill, that word really means to pour, to flow. And almost immediately Psalm 45 would come to mind. Of that lovely man with whom grace was poured into his lips. That the dew which speaks of the freshness of the morning, that dew which is so figurative in Scripture, uh, of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm thinking now of Exodus chapter 16. It was the dew upon the ground that was the interface between this world and the manna that fell upon it. The manna figurative of the true bread from heaven. And so as I think of the need for us to present our doctrine, the doctrine of the word of God, with speech that will distill as the dew, that what we're thinking about is that the word of God has got to come with grace. The Lord Jesus was full of grace and truth. What a balance. What a lovely balance. Uh, certain things have been said. I, I suppose in one sense you've got something on your mind. Your, your antennae are up. And, and so uh, it, it, you're very quick to pick up things that brethren say that are in tune with what perhaps is on your mind. But so much of what was on my mind in these scriptures this evening has been brought out by brethren in Thanksgiving tonight. Mustn't it have been wonderful to have heard the Savior handle the scriptures? The way he read them. The way he quoted them. Remember, before ever he made a comment on Isaiah chapter 61, the very reading of that passage of scripture, every eye was fastened upon him. They'd never heard the word of God handled like that. And the word of God correctly read, thoughtfully read, very often, the meaning falls out of it just through careful reading. Ah, but then when the Savior handled the Scriptures, never, never for a second did he, would he, could he compromise the truth of them. 
Ah, but how graciously he handled them. I'm sure that I speak for my esteemed and beloved brethren as well as for myself when I say that we're much before the Lord, that whatever doctrine is presented from the word of God this weekend, that our speech will distill as the dew. Not only the thought of the manna lying upon the dew that was upon the ground, the manna so figurative, so expressive of Christ, it was small. We remember his humility. It was round. We think of his perfection, maybe thoughts of his eternality. It was white. We think of his purity. Ah, but it was sweet. It was sweet to the taste. And you know, sometimes we lose the taste for that. Israel did. There's nothing here, they said, but this light bread, this manna. Our soul loatheth this light bread, they eventually said. Oh, God, give us hearts that this weekend want nothing more than to soak up the word of God. But to soak up the word of God, not in some sense of just increasing our knowledge, but that we might see Christ, that we might know Christ, that Christ might be presented through the scriptures. God give us help this weekend that as we handle the word of God, it's done in the spirit of Christ and it's done with Christ as its subject. Uh, it might be any kind of theme of scripture which is not necessarily involved immediately with him as a person or indeed with his work. But ultimately, everything in this book is about Christ. It points to him in some way or another. Oh God, let my speech distill as the Jew. There should be something gentle about it and gracious about it. And so the next thing the Song of Moses says, as we think about the, the grace of, associated with the Jew, as we think about the freshness associated with it. He says also, as the small rain upon the tender herb. I don't know much about gardening at all, don't know much about much, but um, I do remember as a boy, uh, that time of year when we had what we would call the new potatoes, the smaller ones. Our mum would send us down to the garden to get mint. And um, perhaps if it had been dry for a few days, she'd say, now just put that under the cold tap. And she would demonstrate it. You'd, you'd take a, a leaf of mint, a sprig of mint, rub your fingers on it. You could tell it was mint. But see when it had the water on it for a little while, just a few drops of water, uh, and it, sw it caused the leaf to swell and and suddenly the sharpness, the fragrance, and the flavor of the mint came out. So Moses says, I want my speech to be as the small rain upon the tender herb. I've never worked out the physics of it. Someone can perhaps explain it to me. That um, 
on occasions when I've perhaps taken the hosepipe out to water the garden in the summer, be a little careless with it, too vigorous with it, and um, suddenly instead of the flowers benefiting from it, you're stripping the petals off them. Uh, and uh, you're kicking up the dirt around all the herbs or whatever. And I never could figure why that happens when you're just using a hosepipe fairly gently, and yet the rain can fall from 27,000 feet up. And the flowers open to receive it. Um, there's something very precious about the thought of the tender herb. It needs the rain, but it doesn't need drenching. And it doesn't need the thing falling on it hard. It just needs that rain from above. Somehow that God-given refreshment that will cause the flavor and the fragrance just to return. Just to enliven the soul again. It's a sad thing if ever the saints of God are sitting under the teaching of the word of God. I'm not saying we shouldn't at times squirm. At times it will cut right across our paths. But let the word of God do that. The word of God is perfectly capable of addressing itself to our needs. The preacher doesn't have to hammer it home all the time. And it might just be that in a conference like this, there will be dear saints, and life's been tough for them just lately. And what they're needing is a little refreshment. They're just needing the gentle, small rain upon the tender herb. Different flavors, different fragrances. All if you're making some wonderful recipe, every one of them necessary. Thoughts like this will be in the minds of the brethren as they teach the scriptures this weekend. Seeking help from God to teach the word of God faithfully. Presenting it in such a way that there's neither fear nor favor on the part of the preacher. But we seek to let the word of God do its own work. It's a living word. And isn't it marvelous how the same word preached will encourage one and rebuke another. And it will instruct one and correct another. And so we seek that help from God. That our doctrine will drop as rain. That our speech will distill as the dew, as the small rain upon the tender herb. But also as the showers upon the grass. Tremendous how quickly grass that is brown and dried and shriveled, when it's had one or two good showers on it, how quickly it greens up again. How quickly it becomes verdant. And this may be many a soul at this conference this weekend. And they certainly haven't come to be beaten up. They've come to be helped. They've come to be encouraged. And what a privilege it is to handle the word of God before the people of God in days of great turmoil and tumult. And we want to see the saints of God established 
by a, a right understanding of the word and the ways of God. And our purpose is to help the saints home. Wonderful, if you see the rain fall and the showers come and in between the showers there's a bit of sun and how quickly the grass grows. And of course, to extend the picture, as the grass grows, so there becomes another source of food. Enabling the dear saints of God to help one another. Perhaps to reinvigorate prayer life. You know, it's a great thing for saints who have perhaps become a little self-absorbed to be encouraged now to pray. Remember that great verse toward the end of the book of Job. Job had been through the mill to such a degree. How did the Lord turn the captivity of Job? He got him to pray for others. He prayed for his friends. And that's how the captivity of Job turned. That's what turned a tragedy into a triumph, was when Job began to pray for his friends. And it might just be that as the rain of divine doctrine falls, that there will be showers, little bursts of that rain that will refresh and cause the grass to grow. If the ground is hard and arid, if the rain comes too fast, it just runs off. It causes flooding and damage. If the ground is hard, it needs gentle rain. Because as the rain falls, it softens. And as it softens, the ground becomes prepared. There was a time when the disciples of the Lord Jesus were with him as he fed that great multitude, the 5,000 men beside the women and the children. And... Uh, it was a sad thing that immediately afterwards he had to send them away out into the midst of the lake and into a storm where they would fear for their very lives. And the scriptures tell us why. One of the reasons why. Their heart was hardened. They'd considered not the miracle of the loaves. That They had simply become used to the immense power of Christ. The capabilities of the Lord Jesus. The miraculous had become the ordinary for them. And the Lord, recognizing there was lessons they needed to learn, lessons that they would only learn in the storm, rather than in the daylight of the blessing of the feeding of the multitude. And that gracious master thought, I know how to soften these men. He knew their hearts were hard. I know how to soften them. And he put them into an experience that brought them almost to wit's end. Ah, but his eye was never off them. As they were in the storm, he was in the mountain praying for them. And eventually, of course, he came to them. It might be that some dear believer has been going through that kind of a storm. It'd be lovely if in a conference like this, the storm eventually passed. And they came into the daylight of things again. And the word of God was used just to soften hearts that had been hardened. We all need it. And hence the desire that the, the reign of, of our doctrine 
doesn't fall either too much or too hard at any one time, but that the Word of God so wonderfully would cater for the needs of all of God's people this weekend. So then, as we just sum up verse 2, the doctrine and the delivery of it, we pray that the speech of those brethren who will handle the word will be with grace, that it will be with gentleness, that it will be with a desire to promote growth, that it will come with freshness, that it will produce fragrance, and that there will be food for others. The desire in the beginning of verse 3 that fills the hearts of brethren who stand at this desk, the desire is to publish the name of the Lord. We have no desire before God. May God purify our motives. We have no desire to promote ourselves. And I hope there won't be any thought of measuring one man against the other. This isn't some kind of competition. God preserve us from unholy thoughts like that. And we do pray. I'm sure I speak for my beloved brethren. That, that God will graciously hide us. So that what is visible as we together concentrate on the things of the Lord this weekend is that that's presented to us from the word of God. We are but messengers. We're certainly not in any way in a superior position to any of the Lord's people. The world of Christendom might think that way, but the Lord's people don't. We want Christ to be preeminent. We want his name to be published. Everything that's involved in the name of our God, in the name of the Lord, that is the desire of those who speak, is that that great name might be published. With a view, and this would be our determination, that we ascribe greatness unto our God. It would be a wonderful conference, I'm sure, in many ways. If for each of us we were personally refreshed and blessed and helped through the ministry of that doctrine that falls as rain, just suitable for the particular soul and the particular occasion, but that if also there was a, a renewed sense of the overwhelming greatness of our God. One of the great problems with Israel, it's recorded in Psalm number 50, was that their procedures, their ritual, when it came to the Levitical system, it was all correct. God calls them together. He, he's called them together just as he's called us together this weekend. But in that particular psalm, he calls them together. Gather my saints together unto me, he says. It's because he's got a rebuke for them. And as they wonder the basis for that rebuke, it's not that 
there was something wrong with their procedures and their ritual. They were dotting all the I's. They were crossing all the T's. They were, they were the, New Testament, uh, the Old Testament equivalent of Ephesus in the New Testament. All the outward appearance was right. And they were rather surprised when God says, I've got a case against you. What is it, they said. And God said to them, you're bringing all these sacrifices, you're bringing all these things in your worship, and you're doing so because you think I've need of them. You've lost sight of my greatness. In fact, he says, you altogether think that I am such as one of you. Well, I'm not. I'm your God. And you're bringing me these cattle and these sheep, these beasts, as though I need them. But the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I don't need your beasts. And I only want your sacrifices as they, as they reflect an attitude of heart that is dependent upon me. And is worshipful. Possible to sit in a great conference. And just concentrate on technicalities. Just so we can go away and discuss it and argue about it, maybe. Or that we might this weekend be blessed. With a fresh impression and realization. Of the greatness of our God. He is not altogether like one of us. God preserve us from having small thoughts of him and small thoughts of Christ and small thoughts of divine purpose. May we have our vision adjusted so that these things are felt freshly in the depth of our redeemed hearts. And the prayer of myself and my brethren, I am sure, is this. That God would give us help that our doctrine might fall like rain. But that it will fall softly, gently, beneficially. So that it might refresh. So that it might perhaps soften hard ground. So that growth is promoted. And above all, may God give us help to publish the name of the Lord. So that together, collectively and joyfully, we might freshly ascribe greatness to our God. We trust God will graciously answer our prayers for the weekend. May he bless his word.